Welcome to the Talent Pool Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Kaplan, founder and CEO of Kaplan Partners, a retained executive search and board advisory firm headquartered in Philadelphia. I am excited to welcome back today's guest, Bill McNabb. Bill was our first podcast guest when we launched this series, and I'm grateful that he's agreed to share some more wisdom with us all. Bill, of course, is the former chairman and CEO of Vanguard and the current director of IBM, United Health, and several other organizations. He's an internationally recognized governance guru, and I am delighted to have him back with us. Alan, it's great to be back with you. Thank you for having me. Diving right into the talent pool, you published your book about a year ago on the redefinition of TSR from total shareholder return to talent, strategy, and risk. What kind of feedback have you gotten in your effort to popularize this new definition of TSR? You know, it's been very gratifying um, to see the reaction to the book. Uh, My co-authors and I, um, when we published it, we didn't really know, you know, how people would accept this concept. And as an investor and, you know, somebody who ran a large asset management firm, total shareholder return is still really, really important to me. Uh, But what we thought was um, sort of fun, if you will, in this redefinition was to focus boardroom activity on the themes that we thought could really make a difference in terms of companies remaining, you know, sustainably good performers and and frankly, creating value over the long run. So the idea that boards should be anchored around talent, strategy, and risk, while it sounds really basic, uh, it's interesting when you break down how boards spend their time, our findings were a lot of boards don't spend enough time on any of those topics. And as we talk to investors and we talk to uh, CEOs and we talk to really good uh, board members, they made a lot of observations around that as well. In fact, one of the fun things about the book was a, a chance to talk to so many luminaries. And I think one of the distinguishing characteristics of it is we have a lot of anecdotal ideas and suggestions from some of the best thinkers around governance, investing, you know, uh, leading top performing companies and so forth. And that's been really fun to see. So do you think companies are changing their behavior and their thinking more and more? Or is it that we still have a ways to go? You know, um, my sense is there's still ways to go, but I've certainly seen a lot of progress on the boards I'm in, um, in terms of how we spend our time. And you know, part of it has been really stepping back and you know doing what we always suggest to management teams. Like, how 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 do you actually spend your day? Like, what issues are you tackling? And as a board, um, are you spending enough time around talent and culture? As a board, are you constantly engaged in strategy? And let me zero in on that one for a sec. It's interesting, you know, as I'm sure you've seen in your practice. Typically, if I if I go back a decade, you know, the way boards engage in strategy, they might go off on a retreat with management for a couple of days, once every couple of years, and management would lay out its plan and there'd be some, you know, good back and forth, good Q&A, and then the plan's set and you move forward. In today's world, with um, the environment shifting so constantly that you've got to be looking at strategy all the time. In the best boards that I have access to, strategy is on the agenda every single meeting. And it's not the management team and board are coming in and changing the strategy, but they're constantly reacting to the changing environment and what's working, what's not working, what needs to be adjusted, and so forth. And I have found um, that just leads to much richer discussions and, frankly, a more agile organization. You know, in our last podcast, you made a comment that you still didn't see enough attention being paid to CEO succession and succession kind of below 
the C-suite. You've obviously highlighted that as a cornerstone in this book. Is that changing? You know, are we getting more traction around serious evaluation of executives, you know, one or two levels deeper, especially in large organizations and public companies where, you know, the, the visibility and exposure has good upside and downside? Boards are doing a pretty good job from what I can see around the CEO question and even the immediate C-suite question. Most boards have uh, pretty good access, at least the big public companies that I'm familiar with. What you don't necessarily see in a lot of boards, though, is the deeper dive into the broad talent depth. And increasingly, I think this is a, a very important part of governance that as a board, you need to understand what management's approach is to attracting talent, developing that talent, selecting the leaders from among that talent, you know, creating the culture that you want in order to execute against the strategy. And it's that's a hard task for a board. You know, one of the companies that uh, I have the privilege of being a, a board member of has 500,000 people or approaching 500,000 people. It's hard to get your hands around the culture. Um, but we've got mechanisms in place to try to help us do that. And, you know, again, the best boards I see really do a, a good job identifying that up and coming talent. So I, I would say it's getting better, but there's still more work to be done there. I feel like CEOs should be more formally held accountable for development of a superior team, both for their role and the C-suite, and that we should really be baking that more into incentive compensation. You know, some folks believe that, you know, Behavior changes when you pay people and incentivize them to behave, you know, tangibly. Any thoughts on that? It's interesting. One of the the great pundits uh, out there in the world said to me at one point, every time, you know, you're thinking about succession, whether it's for yourself or, you know, one of the people on your team, ask yourself, is the person you're bringing in better suited for the future than you are? And when I pose that to my colleagues on our executive team, you know, the initial reaction was they would say, oh, yeah, 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 you know, we can do that. And then they, you know, you'd see some of the names that were coming up and they weren't better suited than the current incumbent. And our board made it really clear that, you know, you need to get this right as an organization. And again, I would say for us, at least the incentives were softer, but there was real clarity from the board about how important it was. And they wanted to see that we were really rigorous in the way we assessed talent and the way we promoted people and so forth. And, you know, to me, that's actually maybe even more effective than the cash component of it, if you will. It's much more that approval from your board that you're doing a good job. I think for most executives, that's more important than compensation. You know, there's an old saying, next in line, isn't always best in line. I had a conversation earlier this week, actually, with a, a confidential discussion with the CEO of a you know small cap, billion and a half market cap public company. And there's no successor in that organization. Now, they're not that big. But on the other hand, you know that 20 years as CEO heading to a certain age was all very clear and laid out. And yet they're going to have to go to the outside market, which I don't think it's from lack of thinking. I think they've sort of took a run at it and decided they didn't have the solution internally. But I also said to the CEO, you really need to align the strategy of the future with the profile of the next leader, because what got you here isn't going to get you there in most cases. Technology changes, industry changes, regulation changes, everything changes, right? So, but I get a little disillusioned still, even though we do a lot of CEO and C-suite search work, I get a little disillusioned when there's no solution in a company that 
has a little enough size and scale that they ought to have at least some internal options. Yeah, you know, I think if a company's performing reasonably well, um, it's actually a failure of both the board and the CEO if they don't have at least one internal candidate. I don't think there's any way around that. It doesn't mean that's the best person, but you should at least be able to put someone forward who you think is a very strong candidate, and then you can assess outside candidates versus him or her. You know, in a turnaround situation, you don't expect that, certainly, or a startup situation, you don't expect that. You know, if you had a company that's been performing reasonably well and you're happy with C-suite team as a board, if they don't produce the right candidate, it's a failure on their part. But it's, I would argue, an even bigger failure on the board's part for not having forced the issue and, you know, held them accountable sooner for the development of that. Couldn't agree with you more. I think that accountability really needs to be there. And that kind of goes back to what I said a few minutes ago, particularly in the smaller and microcap companies where, you know, the incentive compensation, you know, putting putting one of the benchmarks to earn your full incentive comp could be development of the team. But I don't I don't see a lot of that yet. Yeah, I'm I'm a director of several private companies, um, both kind of at the billion dollar ish level and a couple of startups. It's it's really interesting to to see the differences between private and public boards, that's a whole topic in and of itself. But there is some convergence. And, you know, it's interesting. um, Our mantra of talent strategy risk is actually beginning to play out, at least in the private boards uh, with which I'm involved. For me, what's been fun, you know, the strategy part and the risk part would be, I would say, in the private investors' sweet spot. Like, they're good at that. And they love building models. And they love talking about strategic options and so forth. They've been weaker on the talent side. But what's really interesting to me is at least the firms with whom I'm working, they're really starting to get it. Like they're putting a lot of time and energy into this. And we're spending more and more time as private boards talking about talent at multiple levels in the organization. And you know, what's really fun is when you're in a smaller company, you can actually get pretty deep and you can really get a sense of what the talent flow uh, of the future is going to look like. And, you know, we're finding that by paying a lot of attention to that, we're actually helping drive execution uh, to better levels. And, you know, as investors, obviously that's really important, but it's also helping these companies build great franchises. I remember reading a number of years ago when Jeffrey Immel was running GE, he was quoted saying, you know, I spend 40% of my time on people issues and so does our top team as well. And it really jumped out at me because that's a big company and that's a big percentage of time. On the other hand, it just reinforces the message of really what you're saying, right? You know, so at Vanguard, you know, during my time there, uh, our senior team got together every quarter for two-day offsite where we would actually talent strategy risk without, you know, hadn't come up with that moniker at that point, but that's what we were spending time on. And we spent a full day of those two days on talent. And then there were obviously lots of meetings in between where talent was a big part of it. So I don't know whether it hit 40%, but it certainly was well north of 25% of our time as an executive team was around talent. And in these offsites, it was literally half the time uh, was on talent. And, you know, again, it's one data point, right? Uh, So you can't necessarily say that it's quantitatively proven, but I believe a lot of Vanguard's performance was due to our focus on talent not just our ability to have a very differentiated and distinguished strategy. And obviously that's what we're well known for, but I think having really put a lot of energy into the people side of the equation actually really helped us get to the level we got to. Well, Bill McNabb, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thanks, Ellen.
You've been listening to the Talent Pool Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Kaplan from Kaplan Partners. If you'd like to hear more from our guests or learn about our firm, please visit kaplanpartners.com. Thank you for joining us.